Psalm 134. Our last message on the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 134. Can you believe we've been here 15 weeks? From 121 to 134. Amazing how those 15 weeks have went by. This brief psalm provides a fitting climax to the Psalms of Ascent. It's all about what we offer to the God we worship and what we will receive from the God that we worship. I just want to read these three verses and then we'll dive into it tonight. Attention! Praise the Lord! All you servants of the Lord who serve in the Lord's temple during the night. Lift your hands toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. I want to start out tonight with this. How many of you have ever been on vacation, or you've been on a trip somewhere, or maybe you went somewhere, something special, and you knew it was your last night. You weren't maybe ever going to get back there, or it was going to be a long time before you got back to that place. And I want you to put yourself in there and remember, how did that feel? Now, I realize it's, it's always good that we leave and go places, but it's always good to come home. And it's not that maybe you didn't want to get back home, but, but there was something special about that place. And there was something special maybe even about what happened there. And, and you can remember those feelings as you're sort of driving away from that place. That's what I want you to sort of get in your mind of what's taking place here. Remember, these pilgrim travelers have come to Jerusalem to worship the Lord in the temple. And this psalm now is describing them leaving. And I don't know exactly, because I couldn't really get it, whether this was the last night that they were entering into the temple to worship, or that as they were leaving the temple, they were looking back up at the servants who were obviously going to stay there. Because what you have here in these three verses is, is sort of a, an antiphonal experience. There's one group who is speaking to another group in verses 1 and 2. And then in verse 3, the group from the temple is then speaking to the servants of the Lord who are going to be going back home and not staying in the temple. In other words, verses 1 and 2 are directed to those permanent servants of the Lord who literally, it is their calling to stay there at the temple and to be in charge of worship and all the the, uh, trappings of the temple all day long and all year long, even day and night. Then in verse 3, what is happening is as these pilgrims are leaving, after they have basically shared what they want to with the servants who are there, then they turn around and they issue a blessing to them as they're leaving and going back home. I want us to see some aspects of this great psalm, because as I said, this psalm is really giving us just a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. 
just a small little token of what heaven is going to be like. First of all, you'll notice, either as the pilgrims are entering into the temple or maybe as they're looking back up into the temple, notice what they say to those who are there ministering. Attention! Behold! Pay attention! Praise the Lord! Notice that in a sense it's a call to worship from those who are always there worshiping. They're being called to bless the Lord. By the way, the word praise here means to adore on bended knee. I I want you to remember that because one of the things that this psalm is going to teach us, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later, and this is especially difficult for those of us who come from Baptist backgrounds, but worship is not just a work of the mind. It is also a work of the body. We're going to talk more about that. Now notice, they're directing these thoughts to the people who are there at the temple all the time. It's their, we say it, job. They're calling to always be doing these things. And yet these worshipers who have come there and experienced a couple weeks of all this are so caught up, they're like, you, hey, attention up there. You keep praising the Lord. I mean, think of it. It would be like us coming to the oasis and us crying out to Nicole, Nicole, come on, we've got to worship the Lord. Usually it's the other way around, right? We look to the worship leader to try to get us to worship. Well, here, how refreshing would it be for the worship leader to to have called out, like, come on, let's, let's keep worshiping. Let's keep praising the Lord. That's exactly what is going on here. All you servants of the Lord. What does it mean to praise the Lord besides adoring on bended knee? Which, by the way, doesn't that even picture for you what the wise men did when they came to baby Jesus? They came and they laid down their gifts and they knelt before Him. There's something to be said about that. Again, all kinds of of work of the body in worship. See, God doesn't want worship to be you know, sedentary and, and, and no effort at all. Again, we'll get more into that. No, praising the Lord is to highly prize Him above everything else. To recognize Him as our true treasure in life. But again, notice that this is being directed from those who have traveled to come there to the ones who are always there and are always serving the Lord in the temple. And notice what it says, who serve in the Lord's temple even during the night. By the way, the word serve there literally means to stand to worship. So again, I want you to see this. There's the, there's the exhortation to, to adore on bended knee, to get down on knee, There is the notion of standing to worship, okay? And that's not the last physical thing that we see. Verse 2, lift your hands towards the sanctuary. But before we move on, I want to go back to the people that this is being directed to. Again, 
These are the people who have been called by God to be there continually to serve in the temple. And they have a unique privilege. Unlike the travelers who have come from great distances to be there, that's not their calling to always be focused on those things. People like myself and Nicole, we understand the privilege that we have because of our calling. We get to focus on worship and the Word and ministry and prayer all the time. That's what we do. And yet, God wants us to be encouraged by others so that we will be encouraged in our calling so that when you come to, in a sense, us, and we share with you what God has called us to, then you get encouraged and get a blessing. And it, again, it, it complements. It, it goes together. You encourage us, then in turn, we're supposed to be encouraging you. That's what's happening here. The people who have come from long distances have been blessed by their worship of the Lord in the temple, by the full-time, if you will, ministers who are there all the time. And yet they're so blessed that they're encouraging them. You keep on going. You keep on praising the Lord. Those of you that stand and worship the Lord day and night. I want to do a quick history lesson here. Keep your finger there in Psalm 134 and go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. This is where God instituted this all. God said, this is important enough to me that I am setting apart a family, a tribe in Israel, and it's going to be their basically calling in life to make sure that they oversee the service of the temple and the worship of me all the time. Notice Deuteronomy 10, verse 8. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant, the symbol of His presence, and to stand before the Lord to serve Him and to formulate blessings in His name as they do to this very day. In the Net Bible, the phrase formulate blessings literally means to praise and worship the Lord continually. It was an act of adoration. Now think about this with me. We have to get, again, and this, this is why this, is, this psalm is so important. So often Christians today think that, you know, even from God's perspective, worship is something we do once a week, twice a week, whatever. No, God always intended worship to be going on continuously, somewhere, by somebody. You see, in the temple, the, the, the tribe of Levi, those, they were always worshiping God day and night. They, were, they went shifts. I mean, it wasn't like they stayed up for 24 hours straight. But there was always a group in the temple, always, day and night, standing to worship the Lord. Again, a foretaste of heaven. Why do I say that? Because in the Bible, don't you have that picture even in Isaiah and other places in Ezekiel where these angelic beings are literally around the very throne and presence of God? And what are they doing 24-7? They are worshiping the Lord. They are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And all they do, their whole existence, is nothing but worship of the Lord. Again, what God instituted then was just to be a foretaste. That's why, again, worship 
and praise of our God to be something that we don't just do once or twice a week, but that you and I incorporate into our lifestyle so that when we come on Wednesday night or we come on Sunday or any other time and we're worshiping, it is just the overflow of our personal worship throughout the week. And remembering that these people, that's all they did. That's what their calling was. To stand in the holy place, to serve the Lord, to formulate blessings, to praise and worship Him. I think what this also means is they were writing songs, they were singing songs, they were, they were coming up with ways, they were writing psalms. Then one more history lesson. Go over to 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 33. 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 33. And then we'll come right back to... Sorry, but this message has been cooking for weeks. So much to say. Notice it says in 1 Chronicles 9.33, the musicians and Levite family leaders stayed in rooms at the sanctuary. They never left. And they were exempt from other duties. Why? Because God wanted them to be singularly focused on worship of Him and leading others to worship. As the pilgrims would come, they'd be ready. Why? Because they had spent weeks and months you know, getting all that so that when they came, these pilgrims were just incorporated into the worship that they had done and were doing all the time in their life. Day and night, notice, they had to carry out their assigned tasks. There was no break. There was never a break. Again, it was shifts, but there was always a group of people worshiping the Lord. And by the way, they weren't sitting. They were standing. Let's go back to Psalm 134. Because then I want to direct your attention again to verse 2. Lift your hands toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Our greatest privilege is to praise and glorify God. He is worthy of all our praise. And again, as I said, it was very clear to me that one of the things God wanted me to get and then wanted me to pass on to all of you is that our worship is not just a work of the mind. Yes, the mind has to be engaged in worship, but it also is a work of the body. Adoring on bended knee, standing, Lifting hands. There's, there's effort. There's physical effort involved in worshiping the Lord. We are not to come and worship the Lord like this. We're to put something into it. It is to be an exercise. And let me, let me share something from my heart as far as a comparison goes. And why it's so sad that many Christians, that we can't get on board with being a little bit more active even in our worship. Let's start with standing. Over the years, I've heard Christians criticize, you know, times of worship because we stand too long. And please, I'm not talking to folks that physically, you may have a physical reason why you need to sit. Can I just tell you, you always have permission. You never have to worry about sitting, okay? That's not where I'm coming from. But I'm talking about people that, okay, maybe, maybe it would take a little bit of effort to stand for 20, 25, 30 minutes. But folks, do we not even see it this past week? We live in a culture where people will stand in line for 24 hours straight for a phone. 
and yet they will not stand for 20 or 25 minutes and put forth that kind of effort to worship the Creator of heaven and earth. Or let me go a step further. Do you realize that modern-day concerts and modern-day sporting events are actually arenas of worship? Uh, you realize that, right? When, when groups go to a concert, what are they doing? They're standing, and they're very expressive, and they're into it, and they're singing along with whoever they're in concert, and they have no problem standing for hours. And then at football games or other sporting events, our culture goes nuts. I mean, they're out there putting everything, and they're dressing up all crazy into the colors of the, you know, their, their favorite teams, and they're out there just making fools of themselves. And they're screaming, and they're shouting, and they're putting their all into it. And yet, some of those very same people who are Christians will come to church on a Sunday and stand like this during worship. And my thought is, if anyone deserves us to put forth energy and effort in worship, it's God. Not a sports team or a concert. And not that there's anything wrong with that. All I'm saying is by comparison and contrast, you realize those are arenas of worship. People are literally, in their human way, they are worshiping at that point. And that's all God says is, if, if I could just have a little bit of that come towards me. And that's why we don't want you to hold back. We want you to feel the freedom to be able to express your love and your adoration and your gratefulness and your gratitude to God, however God is leading you. And let me say this at this point, and as we move into the series on the Holy Spirit, you'll hear more of this from me next year, but I'll just say it this way. We are letting Nicole loose. Because for too long, she's sort of held back a little bit. And I've just encouraged her, look, God didn't call you to be our worship leader and to not be who God created you to be. There's a reason why she's here. And God, I'll just say it this way, God's told me to cut loose too. Some of you are going, I thought you already had. We're, because God wants to take all of us to another level. And part of it starts with worship. And putting our all into it, just like the servants of the Lord did many, many years ago. Again, our greatest privilege is to worship and glorify God. He is worthy of all praise. Well, in verse 3, after these servants of the Lord who are in the temple hear this Hey, attention, praise the Lord, all you servants who are standing there worshiping Him day and night. And you even get the feeling that like some of them who are going back home probably were a little envious that, wow, they, they get to do this all the time. 
we got to go back to reality. Again, we get that. Those of us that have this calling, we understand the privilege that we have. You know, many, many of you can't sit there and study the Bible eight hours a day like I do. You, know, you, you can't. You, you have another calling on your life. You, you have other responsibilities. I get it. But God wants us who are called to focus on what he's called us to so that when you do come into our presence and, and we are able to share our gifts and our calling with you, you get encouraged, you get blessed so that you can go back out there into the fight of life and into your lives and be stronger and better for it. So that's why then, notice after the servants of the Lord in the temple are in a sense blessed, then they issue a blessing to those who are leaving going back home in verse 3. May the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. As you leave, and you say goodbye to Jerusalem and you, you know, walk away. Again, what did that feel like? Probably some of them were like, man, I want to go home. I miss home, but boy, I'd like to stay here too. This was special. And yet, they were given a blessing by those that were serving in the temple. Notice that as they bless them, that they use very similar language to what they did in the very first Psalm of Ascent in Psalm 121. You see, in other words, the Psalms of Ascent ends just how it began. May the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Go back to Psalm 121 and let's read that real quick. I look up toward the hills... From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth. May He not allow your foot to slip. May your protector not sleep. Look, Israel's protector does not sleep or slumber. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect you in all you do now and forevermore. Creator of heaven and earth. You see that. Psalm 121, the very first Psalm of Ascent, and Psalm 134, the very last one. It ends as it began. But what we are reminded of here in verse 3 is that when we bless the Lord... Realize we are going to be outblessed. We cannot outbless or outgive the Lord. So, what you have here is basically a correlation, if you will, or a relationship between worship and blessing. You see that here in this song. These pilgrims took the time and effort to come to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, and now they are leaving so much more blessed than what they came. And God wants us all to get that. He's like, look, if you make it a priority in your life to worship me, I'll bless you for that. More than you could ever imagine. And you can't outgive me. So whatever we give, if you will, unto the Lord, the Lord will give us so much more back in return. There have been many times, in even 32 years, I could go beyond that because I grew up in church but just 32 years of being a pastor where, humanly speaking, I did not 
physically, emotionally, and even spiritually feel like coming to church. But I did anyway. Because first of all, even before I was a pastor, it was a discipline that me and my family had developed. If the church doors were open, we were there. And those times where I didn't feel like being there or going, I can always look back and go, those were the times I felt so blessed. I felt like God had something special for me because it took a little bit extra effort for me to be there. And that's what this psalm is reminding us of. It took a lot of effort for these pilgrims and these travelers to leave their homes for weeks and put everything on hold in their life and come to Jerusalem three times a year to worship the Lord in the temple. But what they were going to leave with and what they were going to take home with them was so much greater. They may have come feeling very you know, wealthy and rich as far as spiritually and all that goes, but man, they were going to go home with even much more of a bag full of riches, spiritually speaking. And I hope that you all feel that way because that's the kind of environment that we want to create here and always have at the Oasis. That if you do take the time and make the effort to come on Sundays and Wednesdays and any other time that we're doing something, that we make sure that it's worth your while and that you go, when you leave here, it was like, yeah, it was worth me going that night. I got something. I, God moved in my life. I, I, I learned something. I, I felt closer to the Lord. Something that you can go, you know what? Yeah, I need to keep doing it. Because when I come, God and I meet, and I take away from those times when we come together much more of a, of a blessing than I ever could. And, and, and I would have missed it had I stayed away. In fact, next week, we're going to start that series five weeks in the book of Acts next week, just looking at Pentecost, God in us. And one of the things I thought of as I was studying ahead for that series was, how would you like to have been the Christian that was either late or didn't decide to show up the day that they were all gathered there when the Holy Spirit fell? Can you imagine? You know, like that afternoon, maybe somebody came by and said, hey, what happened? Probably nothing, right? Oh, no. There was this great mighty force of wind that just swept in into us. And then these, this fire that looked like tongues came down on, on us. And the Holy Spirit just shook that place and filled us. Yeah, you missed it. I, I can just be honest before God because... Even if I wasn't the pastor of this church, I wouldn't ever want to miss a Sunday or Wednesday because I'd feel like I'm missing something. That's why people even ask me, why don't you take more time off or more vacations? It's like, it, it's not so much that it's like, you don't understand that, yeah, I know I need to step away at times, but you don't understand the, the, the energizing that takes place and the refreshment that takes place in me just by being here with you all. And I miss you when you're not here. Turn with me to Psalm 103. And then we'll end with another one. 
Because Psalm 103 is just one of those psalms that you want to talk about a psalm that praises the Lord and blesses the Lord. It's Psalm 103. If you're ever looking for a passage of Scripture where maybe you're a little bit down and you know you should be more thankful or grateful for for God and all that, read Psalm 103. It's hard not to be grateful and thankful after reading Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. With all that is within me, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all His deeds. See, this is what the servants of that had traveled there was trying to get the people in the temple to see. Attention! Praise the Lord. He is the one who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who delivers your life from the pit, who crowns you with His loyal love and compassion, who satisfies your life with good things so your youth is renewed like an eagle's. The Lord does what is fair and executes justice for all the oppressed. The Lord revealed His faithful act to Moses, His deeds to the Israelites. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's patient and demonstrates great loyal love. He does not always accuse and does not stay angry. He does not deal with us as our sins deserve. He does not repay us as our misdeeds deserve. For as the skies are high above the earth, so His loyal love towers over His faithful followers. As far as the eastern horizon is from the west, so He removes the guilt of our rebellious actions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on His faithful followers. For He knows what we are made of. He realizes we are made of clay. A person's life is like grass, like a flower in the field it flourishes. But when the hot wind blows by, it disappears. And no one and no one can no longer even spot the place where it once grew. But the Lord continually shows loyal love to His faithful followers and is faithful to their descendants, to those who keep His covenant, who are careful to obey His commands. The Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom extends over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels of His, you powerful warriors who carry out His decrees and obey His orders. Praise the Lord, all you warriors of His. That's not talking to angels now. That's talking to His people. You servants of His who carry out His desires. Praise the Lord, all that He has made in all the regions of His kingdom. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Well, just as the travelers were encouraging those in the temple to keep praising the Lord, Then in turn, at the very end of Psalm 134, those in turn issue a blessing upon those who are leaving. And so tonight, as your pastor, I want to end by blessing you tonight. So if you want to know where this is at, it's Numbers chapter 6. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. It is the Blessing that God gave to Aaron to bless the people of God. And I would like you to hear these words before we leave this place and go to our homes tonight. Why? Because I hope that you are blessed tonight by being here. I was. In fact, can I just tell you? I I was about ready to tell Nicole, you just keep singing. Let's just keep worshiping. I just, I wanted to stay in that moment. So here it is. 
Numbers 6, 24, 25, and 26. And I want you to hear these words not only from me, but most of all, I want you to hear these words spoken to you individually from the Lord Himself. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray. Father, we realize tonight that our life should be a life of worship because worship is a foretaste of what heaven is going to be. God, when we see You, will we fall down? Lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus? As the one song says, I can only imagine what it will be like to stand before You, Jesus, one day. But one day, that will be our privilege. But now, God, even before that moment in each of our lives, we have the privilege right now of worshiping You, of adoring You on bended knee, of standing to worship and sing out praises to You, to cry out to You in prayer, to read the Word of God aloud, to lift up our hands toward You, God, because that is a, an expression that all blessing and everything good comes from You, God. We are reaching out to You, acknowledging, God, that it all comes from You and it's all because of You. And so, God, I pray tonight that our worship of You would increase. And not just in the amount of worship that we do throughout our week, but in the effort and energy that we put into it. That when we sing, we really sing. When we pray, we really pray. When we, when we preach, we really preach. We do everything we do, God, with enthusiasm and passion because, God, You're deserving of it. You're worthy of all praise. God, we're willing as human beings to give a lot of effort and energy to the worship of things that are so much less than You. Help us be as enthusiastic and energetic when it comes to worshiping You, God. Remembering that worship is not just an act of our mind. It is an act of our body as well. You want us to get in to our worship of You. And I pray, God, that that would be true in each of us. God, use this message in our life to make us faithful worshipers. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.